0: This interview was brought to you by Janine Preston of SA Commuter. Audrey comes from, she hailed from.
1: Dad. Yep. Um, about 20 years ago. Yeah. 1997. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, going uh, 24 years.
0: And I met Audrey quite by accident one day when um, I needed to talk to somebody about sending something overseas to a South African store. And, uh, in walked Audrey. Yeah. And, and that's how we began to, to understand how Audrey's business works. So Audrey literally, Sapro, they facilitate the products from South Africa going to South African stores worldwide. Yes. And how did you start? Tell me about your journey.
1: So it actually all goes back to 1997 and it was actually another gentleman who um, started the business and his aim was to send South African foods and wines to the UK because there was a demand. And they asked my father to be a financial contributor and asked me to run this side of the business and the gentleman went over that side and set up that side. And that's how we started. And our our very first container we packed at Macro Woodmeads parking lot. No. Yep. yep. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just went and in the store and bought a whole lot of stuff, put it in a container and off it went. And that was the start. And I was literally thrown in the deep end. I didn't know what I had to do. Um and it it just started from there. So for the first four years I was the only employee, so I was the Delivery person the collection person. I had to do the accounts. I had to do absolutely everything work six days a week um, 18 hours a day until we were in a position just to hire another employee um, And then we've just grown from there now we export all around the world Australia is a huge market for us now um, More so than the UK uh, We do a lot to Canada New Zealand and then the smaller countries Ireland Singapore, China, um, and Taiwan. So, yeah, it's definitely grown. It's definitely grown. And does it really only go to South African stores? Or are there
0: stores, for instance, and I'm just talking of the UK off the top Mm. of my head, Asda has a South African section. Mm.
1: Do you ship to Asda as well, or is it purely South African stores? No. So, in the UK, it's it's South African stores, but we've got a wholesaler in the UK, and they supply... um, uh, there's a there's an online store called Ocado, and they also supply Amazon with some South, a- South African products. And then in Australia, we've got a wholesale customer in Sydney, and they supply Woolworths and Coles with some of the South African products. So we are in some of the local chain stores overseas, but 90% of our business is to the expat stores around the world. Now, when it comes to taking a product overseas, surely
0: every country has some kind of customs um, requirement so if it's tomato sauce um, what is allowed what's not allowed is that what you do on this point before you send it overseas pretty much like when you fly overseas you you have to have a
1: visa Mm. do your products need to have a sort of food visa so every country is different and it's difficult and you learn over time we always say to new customers that it's their responsibility to find out what the rules and regulations are on that side because we can't know everything in all the countries because the rules are changing all the time but over time we know what can and cannot go into what countries and for example everything that goes into Australia, any food or drink item has to be labeled with an imported by label and then further than that they may want um, a thickening agent or a colorant to be named by name and then we have to add that information on the label the UK uh, has something different where All allergens, you have to have a label with the allergens listed on the product. All those extra labels we do. So it's very labor intensive, but we now know what the rules and regulations are. Because you will never be able to make a product with all the correct labeling and information for For all all the countries around the world. It's impossible. So do some products, and let's take tomato sauce, because everybody loves Mm -hmm. all gold tomato sauce.
0: I know I do. When I was in the UK, we used to go and hunt down the South African shops to buy them, um, because we refused to drink that, to to use the the, the runny stuff that the the UK guys have. (laughs) So we decided uh, we would go and look for them. So let's take tomato sauce, for instance. In terms of being able to be shipped to the UK or to, to China. Do they have different labels coming from the manufacturer? So, in other words, they've got a label for China
1: and a label for the UK. No, and the reason being is our volumes are not big enough to do for the the manufacturers to do special runs. Ninety nine percent of all manufacturers here, their turnover comes from local business, and only one percent comes from exports. Wow! So they are not interested in changing their labels at all. So. We would then, if there's a, um, an allergen in it, we would put on an allergen label for the UK. For China, we have to get the label translated into Chinese, and then we'll put the ingredients in Chinese and add it as a label onto the product. So you still
0: have the all-gold product on one side, but you just put an extra label yes. on the other side. So you don't yes. replace the label. No. Because no. Well, I thought maybe I could see these bottles of all-gold tomato sauce being labeled this. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> when they arrive you. Yes. So, how do you decide what products go overseas? Is it driven by the overseas market requirement?
1: It is. Or is it something that you send from here and say, hey, why don't you try this? No. So, we don't have the marketing facility to try new products. So, there are, gosh, hundreds of products that go every time and to every market all gold tomato sauce, Simba knickknacks, Sparletta cream soda, Nestle. Chocolate log, which has been discontinued now, but all those products are uniquely South African, and they will go to all the countries. So we only work on firm orders that come in, and we order in fresh stock, because the most important thing is the best before dates. Everybody wants the longest shelf life of the product when it gets to that site. When a new product comes out, we can send samples to the different customers and ask them to put them on their shelves and see how they do, and that does work quite well, but also because all the South African shops are owned by expats, they are always coming back to see their family in South Africa, and when they're here, they go look on the shelves and they go look for new products, and then they order it. So, But we definitely work on what they order from us, not not what we can give them.
0: Now that's interesting.
1: So it's
0: more of a market that says we will let you know what we need yes. rather than you pushing the market out of it. It's a bit of a push pull. Yes. Yeah. And when you see a new product, do you recommend it?
1: So for example like Omar Rusks, they uh, have a chop chip. Um, Omar Rusk flavor and a peanut butter flavor that has come in. So then we'll immediately tell the customers there's two new flavors and we will let them know and obviously they'll order the new flavors. Whether they do well or not, we will only find out in several months down the line whether they reorder more stock. So our big manufacturers, when they introduce a new product, we let the customers know and see if they want to order it or not. So it's very
0: much a, a sort of like there is a new flavor in a range, like yes. Omas Rusks has a range. Yes. Do you find that the products become expensive once they once they're on the other side, um, rather than sort of being an inexpensive item because of the transport?
1: It is. So some people estimate that the product, the price of a product here will probably be about four times the price once it's on the shelves in the wherever it may be, and the reason for that is. Yes, we do get export prices, which is cheaper than the local prices. But then you've got to add on the freight on this side. Then you've got to add on the clearing charges on that side. And then the retailer adds his markup, which is anywhere between can be 55%, 60%. We've got no control over that. So they control what the prices are. But the thing that you've got to remember is when these expats go into the store, They are no longer converting back into rent. No, they're paying in their own, absolutely. What we do on holiday, they're not on holiday. So to them, they may look at something and it's £3.49 and they go, well, that's okay with me because I'm earning pounds. Therefore, I don't mind paying in pounds.
0: No, listen, I completely agree. When I lived in the UK, I went shopping with a friend to buy a T-shirt for hubby and Mm. we were off at Camden Market, and I saw this beautiful rock and roll T-shirt. I thought, that's his, and it was 25 pounds. Well, my friend nearly had heart failure. (laughs) She's like, do you know that that's like 500 rand? I said, but I earn in pounds. Exactly. So for me, 25 pounds for a T-shirt wasn't horrendously expensive. It was quite affordable. And then when my husband came over, I bought a headband, which was literally a piece of material with a piece of wire in it, and it was 24 pounds, and I think the man nearly had an apoplexy. (laughs) Uh, Having a stroke was very close. A close second, <laughs> a close second. <laughs> yeah. But as you say, you're earning in pounds So when you go and buy the bottle of tomato sauce It's two pounds It is, And and it's cheaper than Heinz
1: Yeah. So the other interesting thing is And I've always said this We're actually exporting nostalgia Because you're quite right Go back to your all gold tomato sauce They can buy the Heinz tomato sauce They don't have to buy the all gold But they'd rather pay that little bit extra And get a bit of home And taste the products that they grew up on and they prepare to spend a bit more. And I think there's nothing like it because
0: one tends to buy something you can't find somewhere else. Yes. So the taste of all gold Is way better than anything else we've tasted So once you've grown up on all gold When you're over there you'd rather buy It's like going to Selfridges and saying I love the cupcakes from Selfridges Knowing that it's more expensive But But the fact is you like the taste of it So you'll pay a bit more because you're you okay with that Very much the same as South African products It's not always nostalgia It is in fact sometimes a lot better than what you found
1: there Yeah and we actually have good products here uh, compared to a lot of countries around the world. Our our products are of a high standard, um, so people are prepared to pay the extra money. And do you find people approach
0: you here to say, I have this product, I want to send it overseas because
1: I make it in my kitchen and All I think it's time. awesome. All the time. And unfortunately, the problem with that is their product is not export ready. So you do have to have correct packaging, you do have to have a manufacturing, uh, the manufacturer's detail it has got to say product of South Africa, it's got to have contact details, it's got to have ingredients on it, it's got to have a long shelf life and things like that. So unfortunately I do get emails like that all the time and my advice to these people is to grow your brand here and get a presence locally before you go for exports because um, if, it's, if you're struggling to grow the product here, you're going to have just as much problems over there. Oh, because nobody knows the product. So once a product becomes popular here, our, our uh, customers who come back and see the product doing well here will then want to take it over there.
0: And that's the most important thing yep. is if you can't grow it locally, how can you expect to grow it where you aren't? Yes. Because there you don't have a handle on it, especially now during COVID. Mm -hmm. What was it like during COVID for product? Because obviously now the world of online exploded. Mm -hmm. Because before that, South Africans were like, "Uh uh-uh, have to touch and feel. Even in the UK, they were very reluctant to buy from Ocado or any of those. It was, I want to walk in the store, I want to talk to the person. Mm -hmm. I don't want to buy online because I want to talk to somebody today.
1: (laughs) And they want to talk in Afrikaans. Absolutely. So they can walk into a South African shop and the people, working in those shops are expats and they can have an Afrikaans conversation uh, speak their mother tongue that they haven't done for quite a while and they love it they absolutely love
0: it and with with COVID did you find that more products started being shipped overseas in other words did your order start to to build because you're one kind of business that didn't lose business that actually got
1: busier they did we did get busier and I've tried to think of it quite a few times and and there's a couple of reasons. Because everybody was stuck at home, they couldn't go to the stores. Um, so, well, not that they couldn't go to the stores, they were stuck at home and were nostalgic. So they started buying more products from the South African shops. So our existing customers have started to, their orders increased. And for some unknown reason, we are now getting inquiries from all around the world. And the other thing that I think is that maybe some people have lost their jobs and they've now thought, okay, let me import South African products. Uh, Maybe this is a new market because we have never had so many inquiries like we have in the last year. Wow. And from different countries that we haven't had inquiries from
0: before. So that means your job becomes just a little bit harder because you have yeah. to try and figure out now you got, it's a whole new chain. So how long does the container take to get there? Yes. What does your shelf life need to be? Because I'm yes. sure, like airlines, there's a hub. So containers don't just automatically go from one country to another. Yes. They have to go to one country, either change boats or, mm-hmm. or ships, or um, and then from there go to another country. So almost yes. like a hub. So, What is the most, how do you, do you find certain products are sold the
1: most and certain products are sold the least, depending on the country it's going to? I get asked this question all the time, what is the most popular product? And I can't put it down to one product. So what I do is I separate food and liquor. On the food side, you'll be surprised, but, well, Iwiza maize meal goes all the time. All to all the countries around the world. Uh, Omar Rusk's goes everywhere. All gold tomato sauce goes everywhere. So there's probably two, three 300- hundred products, that will go to every single country. Two to three hundred? Yes. Oh my word, I thought you were going to say like two or three. I didn't realize two or three hundred. Everybody orders the same, where it's their steer sauces, their spur sauces, their inner palmen uh, seasoning and spices. The list is endless. Um, And then on the liquor side, you've got items like Clip Drift Brandy, which is very popular. Savannah Dry and Savannah Light um, is very popular. The castle and the castle light So it's very difficult to Select just the top ten Because you never know Would you go on The number, the the quantity, or the value, because it is maize meal has a very low value. It has a high quantity. But has a high quantity. Clip drift has a very high value, but uh, then the quantities can be lower, and they can still be the same. So it's very difficult to work out which is the most popular. So there's there's a whole lot of items that are most popular that go every time, and then you get items which um, certain markets will take that other markets won't take. So. I'll give you an example, a new law came in to the EU in January 2017 that said you can no longer send any product to the UK or the EU if it contains dairy and the dairy doesn't come from an EU country. That immediately stopped us sending Nestle, Beacon and Cadbury chocolates to the UK because they all use local dairy. Oh, really? so so immediately, um, and and there's some sauces and there's some other products that have dairy in it, and you can no longer send it to the UK unless it comes from an EU country. And then we had the whole issue with Brexit. So, but sorry, before you go to the
0: Brexit side, if my rusks are made with local milk, and listen, I'm not sure if rusks are made with milk or powdered milk or how they make them, mm-hmm. but. Let's say that had, would that have stopped the rusks going over?
1: It did. So interestingly, let's go to Omar Rusks. Some of their variants do not have dairy, so you can carry on sending it. But the Omar Rusks buttermilk has dairy in it. And And so does the condensed milk one? No, condensed milk doesn't, surprisingly enough. Oh wow. But the manufacturers of the Omar Rusks, um, saw the fact that they, they could no longer send the Omar Rusks buttermilk To the UK. So now they make a special production run with the correct dairy that they import from an EU country. So now we can, so we only get that special run every three, four months, but now we can send the OMRX buttermilk to the UK.
0: That's weird.
1: Mm. But you could continue sending it to the United States, uh, Australia, all of those. yep. Yep. So all the countries have their different rules, so I mean if you look at Australia, their issue with dairy is it cannot be more than 10% of the uh, dry weight of the product. So they have an issue with dairy, but it's different rules. So we can send the Omar Rusks if the dairy is less than 10%, whereas you can't send it to the UK and the EU. So, what I was going to say about Brexit is our UK agents used to supply various South African shops in the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain, Germany. And now those customers can no longer buy from the UK because of Brexit. So, they're coming directly to us. And they don't know the rules because they've never had to import. It used to go by the UK, it's cleared in the UK, and then you just transport it. Oh, uh, of course. So now we have to educate them. You're not allowed any products that have got dairy in it and, you know, things like that. So it's a whole new market that's opened up for us, but we've got to educate them as well.
0: That's amazing. mm
1: Mm. So, in, it, when
0: when products go like they did to the UK, they just crossed the, the the channel yes. as such,
1: because yes. they all had one kind of import yes. uh, importing port, yes. as it were. Yes. So, if it's imported into the UK, it's been cleared. You can then transport it before you could transport it, without having to do another clearing process. Now, with the UK leaving the EU, if we they were if the UK was then. uh, to carry on supplying the products would have to be cleared again and you're paying double duties once to the UK and then again to whichever European country you're sending the product to so it's cheaper for those customers to now buy direct from ourselves wow Mm. So just like Brexit causing
0: all those those disconnect issues because, mm-hmm. you know, they were so connected yes. that disconnecting yourself took longer than it did to connect yes. because it was so interwoven. Yes. Um, in terms of sending products across the water, does it take longer via container to go to certain places or is your container now being flown
1: rather than shipped? No. We The the cheapest way to send product is uh, sea freight in 20 foot or 40 foot containers, and that's how we're sending it. Um, We we very rarely do air freight because that's so expensive, and sometimes people need a few products that have a short shelf life, and then they'll air freight it over. But most of our customers will have uh, several sea freight containers on the water, so they've got fresh stock arriving on their side every week or two.
0: Okay, so the, the, because the runs are so often,
1: mm. how long does it
0: take from South Africa to the UK on average? About twenty days. Oh, it's so it's not weeks. as long as it no, used to be. No,
1: no, because it used to be around about sort of six weeks. Yeah, it's 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 quite. The UK is quite quick. Um, Australia, depending which port you go to, can also be three or four weeks. New Zealand is six weeks. Um, So the further away you go, obviously, the the longer transit time. It
0: takes to get there. Do you
1: find South Africans are loyal to their food and their drink? I do. And I think, and that was the thing touching on what I said earlier, that we didn't know how good our products were. But if you go and live overseas, you then realize how good our products are um, so, so that's, that's the one thing and then the other thing I was going to say you know why we're suddenly doing so many more containers is yes everybody's working from home and unfortunately when you're working from home you eat more and you eat your favourite foods yes Yes, so not only are you staying home more, but you can't go spend your money at um, the restaurants, because they were all closed uh, in the UK and Europe and all, of, all over the world, um, so they'll then spend their money and rather eat the foods at home. Now, interestingly
0: enough, you talk about eating foods at home. Does the South African products go onto a system where you can order online? So like you have the fast foods that are ordered from down the road, like let's say a McDonald's and I'm living in the UK, so I'll order McDonald's. Is the South Africans also creating, oh, I no, not is, but are the, the South Africans also creating outlets like delis where you can order cooked South African food to be delivered?
1: So... I don't know if they offer the online service, but also most of these South African shops have started where an expat has gone overseas, and the first thing they start to produce is biltong and horse and burrovors, because that's something they know from living in South Africa, and they know that something can sell. And then when they start to sell that, people say, okay, well, can you bring in Omar Rusk's and Mrs. Ball's chutney, and, and then that's how they start their shops. But within the shops, because um, I went to, to Australia to see all the customers two years ago, and in those shops you will find Cook Sisters and Melt Tat that is being made by a local South African living in Australia who will then supply these shops. Okay. So once you walk into it, you will see um, the, 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 the buravos, frozen Burevors that you can buy, all these products that you can buy, fresh and frozen. So, you, so there's loads of South African products being made in those countries. And
0: you're able to, to, to buy online, I'm assuming, because a lot of these guys are starting online stores.
1: I would assume so. Um, you know most of our customers do have uh, websites and so, so a lot of our customers have bigger stores and then they also supply smaller stores in their area so, okay. Well, yeah. So, so it's sort of like
0: the little pop-ups,
1: like we have sponsor yeah. shops here. Yep. Probably the little
0: pop-ups of people who know that they are South African, therefore they have a South African community. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I know when I spoke to Dawn Denton of Celebrate Southern Africa in the UK, she said they had a market once a year where they invited South African businesses to come mm-hmm. and sell South African foods, yeah. goods at that market. Obviously with COVID, she couldn't do that last year or mm. this year, mm. but now it's become an online market. But one of the things that I've attended was her, um, she has a, a, an Ubuntu meeting once a, a month where. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's invited to be online on Zoom at the same time. Okay. And then they talk to each other okay. about the challenges they've had. And it was yes. so interesting to hear one of the guys say they're from the Isle of Man and there's a guy there who sells bourrevos that they buy from. Uh-huh. And I remember my son, who lives on the Isle of Man in Douglas, said the same thing. Because yes. he said, oh, no, Mum, we just buy – there's a guy here that makes them in batches and then we just all buy from him. Yes. Well, how, how cool are South Africans? Huh? Yeah.
1: no, we're <laughs> very, They're very in, uh, innovative and um, they'll still buy the spices – that they used to use when they lived in South Africa to make their own biltong because most people know how to make their own biltong. They then use local meat, but they'll use the spices that they used here to make their products overseas. So they can, in fact, go to their local South African store and say, Listen,
0: I'd like, um, I see you don't have X. Yeah. Could you bring it in for me? And yes. then it becomes a
1: special request. Yes. And that's how. A lot of the products get over there. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the manufacturers, when they get inquiries, will actually pass them on to us because they don't have the capacity to send one case of uh, let's Omar Rusks to a new customer in a country. So they'll pass the email on to us and we'll then pass it on to one of our existing customers in that country and say, please, can you help this customer? They've specifically contacted the manufacturer for this product. Can you supply them?
0: Oh, my word.
1: Yeah. So when
0: we come back from the break, I want to know how did COVID change the packaging? Because I know here there's certain packaging that's changed when they serve food and how it changed... COVID changed the way people present food. And I know that I have such a big listenership worldwide of South Africans. We certainly do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have a question for you. I want to know when COVID hit, Mm -hmm. we had changes in this country. Like we weren't allowed to have buffets, Mm -hmm. when you got a spoon that was now wrapped in um, a cellophane. Mm -hmm.
1: Did this change things for you? No, not in terms of packaging. Um, we obviously had the issue where initially we there were two weeks where we couldn't uh, work. We couldn't have any staff come to work, and all of that. Oh, yeah, then and you then you work from home. Yes. But, obviously, ours is a very manual uh, process. I was going to say, how do you so, pack
0: a container at home? Exactly. Do they deliver the container to your garden, <laughs> and there you pack it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, there was the issue of now getting people into work um, and we had to, obviously, go through the same procedures that everybody, every other company here did. Um, so, the packaging didn't change. We have found, though, that a lot of manufacturers have... Concentrated on their most popular lines, and temporarily discontinued a lot of their less popular lines, because of, they had their own issues where they were only allowed so many workers initially. So they weren't working on full capacity in terms uh, of the factories, okay. which had a knock-on a a effect. On effect that. Yeah. Yes. So there have been a lot of products that have been out of stock and temporarily discontinued. They are coming back now. Um, So there have been production issues. There's been products out of stock because they can't get the packaging because that comes from overseas or specific raw materials. But other than that... We haven't had an issue because the product comes, it's in its case, it's packed correctly at the factory, and off it goes. And
0: the factory obviously knows Audrey from Sapra has ordered this product, mm-hmm. therefore it has to be packaged in such and such a way. So mm-hmm. they've learned that over, the, over time where they you probably used to just deliver boxes in a cardboard box with no marking. Now there's been when you start ordering for an international market, it has to be packaged in a certain way.
1: Yeah, so a lot of a lot of companies have tried to change their product for the export market, which is great. Uh, It just makes it easier for everybody to work with. Um, But other than that. Like I say, most of, the custom, most of the manufacturers still are set up for the local market. And only when they have their own export divisions that they set up within their company do they take that extra time to make the packaging correct, to make the product okay. correct, and stuff like that. So there are some manufacturers here. Um, I'll give you an example. You know you can find Mrs. Ball's Chutney in all the local Tesco's and Sainsbury's stores in the UK. Now, their packaging is specific for the UK and it's so so, so that's why they have agents and they will make sure that the packaging is correct for the UK then they've got agents in Australia and they'll make sure the packaging and the labeling is correct for Australia so each market they will set up a specific product so that it's correctly labeled for that market and do you find people come back to you and say but it doesn't taste the same no
0: because often when I used to being that when I was in the UK, I would buy a product, nothing doesn't taste the same here. No. And maybe that's the environment that you find yourself in because you used to drink Savannah a lot and, uh, in a mm-hmm. bar in mm-hmm. Benoni. Mm-hmm. And, and suddenly you're drinking Savannah in a, in a cold environment somewhere else, you know, and it just maybe
1: that's all got to do with it. So you don't mm-hmm. find that. No, because the Savannah that you are drinking in the UK is the Savannah you find on the shelf here. So the temperature doesn't have an effect on it. It may have, but we have never had somebody come back to us and say, this didn't taste right.
0: Wow. Yeah. Now, your containers that you send over, are some of them in a cold store, or are they just normal? No,
1: they're all normal. So the only thing we do is we make sure you don't pack chocolates near the top or the sides of the container, because a container can get very hot uh, during transit, especially if it's um, stowed above board. Okay. Um, But the rest of the stock travels fine. The only thing we do once a year we send our Beacon Easter eggs to all our customers around the world and we pack those with polystyrene just to protect them from the heat. But other than that, everything travels well. In, in, and and before we let you go, because it's been such an interesting conversation,
0: mm-hmm. I want to know that if you're sending goods overseas, mm-hmm. and let's say it's Mrs. Bull's Chutney, does Mrs. Bull's Chutney staff marketing team mm-hmm. go overseas and promote mm-hmm. the store? So in other words, they go to a South African shop and they set up a little stand and they get UK people to
1: taste mm-hmm. it. Do you no. find that happens? No. Why? Not that I, I think because it's such an expense to go over and do the marketing. So, you, you've, you've mentioned Mrs. Ball's Chutney. So, they have done very well to get into the local chain stores over there, uh, in the UK. But then the, the South African shops will have it as well. But so it, it sells itself. They don't need to market that product. But I would have thought that if I'm in a country, let's say
0: we're in Australia, uh-huh. I would want Australians to try South African food.
1: Yes. The Australians will try it when they go to, uh, a or... Uh, at a South African friend's house and they bring out the Mrs. Ball's chutney and that's how they will try the product. And and do you find that people want to test their product in a,
0: in, a, in an environment where the bottling is right, the packaging is right, and they'll come to you and say, I'd like to test this? Do you Do you find that they'll bring you a box of something and say, hey, Audrey, I want to start marketing overseas mm-hmm. My box is now pretty much cool, yes. do
1: you do you help them in sending the product if it's correctly packaged and correctly, and everything about it is right? We try to help them as much as possible. So if somebody wanted to send something to the UK, I would actually say to our UK agents, this is the product they want to send, what are the requirements on that side? Okay. If they wanted to send it to Australia, I would say okay, um, check with the, the, the customers over there, who can check with their clearing agents and say right. This product is coming in. Is it allowed? So a lot of the time we have to send the ingredient declarations before we send the product over. Wow. So we can check with the customs officials on that side if the product's allowed in or not. And then we can give advice in terms of what information you should have on a product. In terms of, um, so for example... A nutritional panel is required in other countries around the world, but it's not, um, it's not required here. So you'll find products here that don't have a nutritional label and that's fine for South African standards, but it's not fine in other countries. So you can say to them, look, take the time, spend the money, get the nutritional information and put it on your panel. Do you find your market into Africa? we've got two customers in africa and they are not expats so we've got a customer in kenya and we supply they supply the four courts in in kenya um with south african chocolates and they and other sweets and they're ex, uh, expanding a bit and then we've got a customer another customer in uh, uh malawi and they take south african foods but it's for the local chain stores there so we send them fresh produce um, and frozen foods, uh, and then a whole lot of South African foods, and and then you obviously
0: truck those up. We they're truck not. It up they're in not, a not refrigerated buy, um, yeah, refriger- yeah.
1: I was just going to say because I couldn't imagine a container going all the way around Africa no, and then getting no, all loaded no. nearby. It goes. It it, it goes by. It takes about seven days to to truck because obviously goes through Zimbabwe and then through to Malawi. But yeah. And so how do
0: people get hold of you or you know uh, want to reach you and talk to you and and obviously you can't send products just to say hey will this work? Yeah. It doesn't work. No. You, you, it has to come through one of the big companies. It, but I think getting hold of you in terms of saying, where can I buy South African goods overseas? Do they get hold of your agents? Do they get hold of you? They How can does get it hold work?
1: of me. Um, so then what we do is if, if somebody phones, uh, let's say, from Canada uh, or wants to know from Canada, we can tell them where our wholesaler that we supply is based. And is it on your website? It is.
0: Then just let's give out your yeah. website because then people can go on there and see where they can get their local
1: South African yes. produce. Yes. So it's www.saprointernational.com.
0: Oh wow. So we're yeah. in dot .com. Yeah. Oh, so we've obviously climbed in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and dot .com always means you're big. <laughs> okay. So 24 years, um, yeah. in the making. Yeah. Um, Audrey, it's been such yeah. a pleasure. It's Thank been really you. nice to talk to you. Yeah. And This interview was brought to you by Janine Preston of SA Commuter.